Thank you, Rabbi. You're a good word about joy. It's so important for us to be focusing on joy, even during hard times. I want to ask you to pray with me. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kidshenu BaMisvatav, Vetzivanu LaAsok BaDivrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, this is indeed the first day of Sukkot. It is a wonderful time for us to be experiencing the joy of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's a time to remember that we dwelled in Sukkot or booths or tabernacles on the 40-year journey from Egypt to the promised land. And it helps us remember those times when our ancestors had almost nothing, but God was with them. Sukkot helps us remember that our people were slaves, but God was with us. And we can use these memories to strengthen our own empathy and compassion so that we learn to show kindness and act justly towards others who are in such situations as our people were, the immigrant, the poor, and the oppressed. Sukkot is a time that helps us to experience the simple joys of life. When you don't have much or when you're broke, as broke can be, you can still experience the simple joys of life. Sukkot's a wonderful time to remember when you had almost nothing. It's a wonderful time to remember when you had to start all over again. And it helps us remember those times when we had to begin a new journey in life, a new stage or season of life. It helps us remember that God is with us, even in the times of small beginnings, even when we have nothing glorious to show for ourselves. Sukkot helps us remember when we had almost nothing, God was with us. It helps us remember that we can become generous because God has been generous to us. For me, it's useful also to remember other people who showed kindness to us during our own difficult times. I found that this develops generosity in my heart. It can work the same for you. And it develops generosity in our spirits, in our minds, and in our actions, with our time, with our finances, with all of our resources. Sukkot also helps us become more cheerful. Tough times can produce cheerful people. I want to really emphasize this to you today. I want you to think about this in um, a, a meaningful way. Difficult times can produce hopeful people. Hard times don't have to produce hard hearts. That's a thought worth keeping. Hard times don't have to produce hard hearts. As God brings us through tough times, in fact, we develop a more optimistic view about life because God has an amazing way of working in our lives. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 speaks to this. It says, God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. And even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You can't know everything about how God is going to work, but you can know this. He's going to work for good. God has the last word. He is for us. Romans 8.38 speaks about this. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor principalities, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, not COVID-19, not politics, none of that 
will be able to separate us. I added those words. That's not in the scriptures. You know that, those details. None of that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. God does bring us through difficult times in order to bring us into the beauty of his purposes. Your heart knows this every time it hopes against hope. Even though you don't know all the details about your future, you can't see exactly how things are going to work out. The circumstances you're in right now may be difficult, but this thing you do know that's expressed in Romans 8.28, God does cause all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let's hold on to that. Let's let that go deep into our hearts. Let's remember that even when times are tough, God is with us. Sandy and I were taking some time this week to remember when we first moved to Rochester, New York. We were there to be close to my mentor, David Young, and to serve him. But it was a very difficult time. The years before that led up to that move were also difficult. We had to sell our business. We had to move from my hometown in Roanoke, Virginia to Rochester, New York. When we did move, money was very tight, but it was a time when we discovered so many wonderful things that we could enjoy for free. Long walks together, strolling in the parks, playing volleyball with friends, sitting under a tree on a blanket and playing a game together. Sukkot is like that. Sukkot is a great time to remember the simple joys of life and to experience them as a good memory. You see, that's the other side of anticipation. When we remember well, we learn to anticipate well. Remembering something that was good or someone who was good to us builds up your joy today and your anticipation about the future. One of the names for Sukkot is Man Simchatenu, the season of our joy. And I believe Sukkot is a time to not only experience joy, but to practice joy and to exercise joy, to build up, if you will, your joy muscle, your joy capacity. Sandy and I spending time remembering when we did move to Rochester, it was so interesting. We, we remember how important that time was in our life's journey. Many of the people who are so dear to us now are the ones who we first met during that time in our life's journey. It was a time when we didn't have much and we went through a lot of difficulty, but God was with us. There were times when we felt we had lost too much, but in fact, it wasn't just loss. There was real gain too. And even now, we can remember a walk that we took that was preparatory. It was a, a walk that became a spiritual experience when we were still living in Roanoke and we were searching what did God have in mind for us? What did he want from us? And the Lord began to deal with Sandy and me as we were taking a walk in our neighborhood in Roanoke. And we began to lay down before him the things that he was showing us. We had to lay down our sense of identity and being established and known in a place. We had to lay down the place of belonging, the familiarity and knowing every part of town, being known by other people. 
It meant for us laying down the security that came to us from being with old friends and with family and moving then to a place where we had to start all over again. It meant laying down our business and our source of income. It meant laying down that sense of home and family with all the memories that we had accumulated over the years of our children going to schools in the neighborhood, walking to schools and walking home, going to PTA meetings, just knowing that area and having so many memories tied in to that place. I can still remember the walk. I, I remember the intense emotion and yet the resolve of laying down before the Lord, everything he was asking of us. And it was a time of tears for sure, but it was also a time of freedom and a time of anticipation. And it's how we learn some powerful lessons about the life of faith. John 12, 24 talks about one of these lessons. Yeshua says, truly, truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. And Luke 17, 33 speaks about a similar, a similar idea. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for the Lord's sake will preserve it. It's a hard lesson to learn, but when we lay what we have before the Lord, it's like Sukkot. We move into the unknown and the uncertain. We, we, we build shacks, Sukkot, that, that aren't glorious. They're not fancy. They don't cause other people to ooh and ah. We move into a condition that is really our true condition. It's a condition of uncertainty. We don't know all that's going to happen. But as we move forward, even if it means dwelling in shacks, we move forward with the Lord. Think about the children of Israel moving out of Egypt. Yes, they moved out of slavery, but they also moved out of houses. They had houses with doorways, remember? They had uh, doorposts and they had lentils. They had doors. They had real houses that they were living in and they had been living in uh, such places for hundreds of years. They weren't a nomadic people. They weren't Bedouins. They were people with houses, with permanent housing. And they were called to pack up and to take almost nothing and to go into the desert without food, with, without water, with, without a place to live, and then to live in shacks. That's what Sukkot really reminds us of. And the experience, as we reenacted in different ways, building a sukkah and celebrating and remembering, as we experience Sukkot, it helps us to depend on God and to pay attention to his faithfulness and to realize that our future is in its hands. You know, so many people aren't really clear about that right now. They think the future is in someone else's hands. It's in the hands of politicians or in the hands of, of um, people who agree with them or in the hands of people who disagree with them. But the truth is your future is in the hands of God if you trust the Lord, if you live for God, if, if you've dedicated yourself to being with him. 
And I can tell you right now, in these unstable times, I find stability with the Lord, not with the circumstances. I know that life is a storm. Yeshua said this, and he said the storm is going to beat against everyone's house. So the ones who hear the words of Yeshua and put them into practice, these are the ones who build their house on rock. And when the storm comes, their house will stand. Their life will keep going on. There is a storm. There's always a storm. And yet we can say, as Paul said to the Philippians, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Messiah Yeshua. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8 also says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When we remember, as Sukkot teaches us, to remember that God was with us when we walked out of Egypt and Egypt's slavery, it builds up this awareness of grace abounding and God taking care of us. As we read in Leviticus 23, starting in verse 42, for seven days, you must live outside in little shelters in Sukkot. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters, and this will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This command was given specifically to Sabras, to native-born Israelis, but it's useful for all Jewish people everywhere and for all people everywhere who join themselves to the Jewish people, the God of Israel and the Messiah of the Jewish people. You see, it was God's plan that our ancestors would live in Sukkot on that journey. There was nothing glorious about it, except for this fact. God had delivered them from Egyptian slavery and was bringing them to the land that he had promised Abraham and our ancestors. And when we remember this, it makes us strong. It's not something to forget. Those hard times are hard. That's why they're called hard times. But the best of times are not necessarily the easiest of times. The best of times are the times when no matter what our circumstances are, we are experiencing the presence of God. We are experiencing the simple joys of life together with one another and with the Lord. The best of times are those that end well. They may not start so well, but they end well. In the middle, there may be some rough spots for sure, but the best of times are those that end well. They prove that God knows the beginning and the end, and he makes everything beautiful in its time and for its time. I remember when Sandy and I moved to Jacksonville from Kiev, Ukraine, moving to Ukraine was hard. Moving to Budapest before was hard. It was a difficult time in so many ways for us when we moved back to the States. And when we came here, we didn't own a house. We didn't own a car. We were starting all over again but I'm so glad we did. When I use my Sukkot heart, can I call it that, my Sukkot heart? I can remember with gratitude and thanksgiving. And because of that, I experience those times differently. Not only that, I strengthen my hope and my anticipation of what's ahead. No one hopes, scripture says, for what they already have. Hope and anticipation are about the future. And they work together with faith. In fact, remembering fondly 
is the other side of anticipation. Remembering builds our faith. We look back, we see how God has been with us, even when we had almost nothing, even when we had just been slaves, even when we had been horribly oppressed, and that can build us up so that we anticipate what's ahead with all its challenges, its difficulties and uncertainties. We anticipate what's ahead with the same sense of good and hope and the same sense that God will be with us. For some reason, I'm remembering a moment when Sandy and I were living in Budapest. We didn't own a car, but I had rented a car for a short period in order to get some things done that we needed to. <clears throat> and I was driving in my car in Moskvater, um, Moscow Square. And while I was driving, my cell phone, my mobile phone started ringing and I picked it up. And in Hungary, at that time, the law was you couldn't talk on a mobile phone while you were driving. And so I picked it up because it was ringing and I wanted to answer. And as soon as I put the phone, as, as soon as I put the phone right to my head, you know what happened? A police officer standing on the sidewalk in the square looked at me, he saw me and he held up this flag that meant I needed to pull over. I pulled over and he started speaking to me in Hungarian and my Hungarian was not very good but I understood I was in trouble. And I told him I was American and I spoke English. And he said, um, you broke the law. Somehow he knew how to say that. And I said, yes, I'm so sorry. I know that was wrong. The phone rang, I answered it just to stop it. And he said, you have to pay money. Now, here's what I knew, that the police at that time had um, had developed like this bad reputation of collecting money from people, Hungarians and um, people from other countries who were there, collecting money and just taking it for themselves. And so there was this new rule that had been put into place. And the rule was that you could um, go to the police department and pay your fine. So this man, this officer, started telling me it was going to cost me a lot of money. And he said I needed to give him money. And he named how much money. It was, it was a lot, um, probably the equivalent of $100 worth of Hungarian money, which would be multiplied to be um, what it was in, you know, according to American salaries. So it was a lot of money he was asking for. And I said, no, I did something that was wrong and I understand I must be punished. I understand that. And he was listening. He didn't understand English very well, but he understood what I was saying. And he said, you have to pay me now. And I said, I'm not going to pay you. I said, I never have paid a bribe in my life and I will not pay a bribe to you. So we can go to the police department and I will pay the fine right now. And he looked at me, he started shaking his head and he said, just go. 
And at that moment, I rejoiced. I had done something wrong. It was true. And I should have been fined, technically, or I could be, you know, just given a warning. He wanted a bribe from me. And rather than give in to that corruption, I just, in the most simple terms, said no. And you know what? In his frustration, he just let me go. I don't know if he intended to bless me, but you know what? Today, the memory of that is a blessing. I'll never know his name. I'll never know who he was, but I can tell you this. He knew one thing, I wouldn't pay his bribe and I got away from his corruption. And so I'm giving thanks to the Lord right now for that kind of thing. Maybe you've had incidents in your life where someone blessed you and they actually didn't mean to bless you. Initially, they didn't intend to bless you. They actually wanted to steal from you or take from you or do something wrong to you. And God got his hands on that situation and fixed it. Well, yesterday, Sandy and I made a lulav for a Sukkot. And traditionally, you may know this, it includes a closed palm frond, which is lulav in Hebrew, together with myrtle and willow. But our lulav is, for this year, is what I call a yard-to-table lulav. It does include the closed palm frond, but it also includes some other leafy boughs from our backyard, Laura Petalum, Viburnum, and Nandina branches. And okay, we have one too many varieties. It looks and it feels great though. The etrog was not grown in our yard. The truth is it's not really an etrog or a citron. This year we're using a citrus fruit, a nice specimen of a well-grown lemon. So you can see it's not kosher with a circle U or circle K for sure, but it is an expression of joy and that's fitting, given Sukkot is also called Zman Simchatenu, the season of our joy. It's a time of simple joys in the spirit of Leviticus 2340. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God. My hope for you on this Sukkot is that you will make it the season of joy for you, the season of your joy, the joy that you experience yourself and the joy that you share with others to prepare gifts share something with others, spread the joy, eat outdoors under whatever sukkah you can make, receive guests safely, of course. And if you can't make a traditional sukkah, remember the Marine slogan, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Do the best you can. And take moments every day to experience the simple joys of life. And then it will truly be Sukkot for you. And you can bless others with the greeting Sukkot Sameach, happy Sukkot or Sukkot joy. And as you spread the joy, resolve for yourself to promote joy, to promote empathy, to promote justice, to promote faith, and to promote freedom. And remember the words that Paul wrote to the Romans, Romans 4.24, and don't forget the riches of Messiah, of his kindness, his forbearance, his patience. And remember, it is God's kindness that was meant to lead you to turn around, to return, to repent and to live for God. We're going to close this time with Aaron's blessing, as we like to do at Beth Israel, and then we will um, close the service, and we want to invite Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi Sanina, and hey, Sandy, hey. thanks for joining me, and Sandy's here with me again with Jack in the back. <laughs> Jack's always with me in, in, in this room. Before we do 
close with the Aaron's blessing, I want to encourage you to stand with us financially. You can go to our website, BethIsraelNow.com slash giving for all the details. So Rabbi Yuri and I will do a special blessing and I'll do Hebrew and English. Rabbi Yuri, are you going to do Russian and Ukrainian or just Russian or? Yeah, I will do both. Thank you, Rabbi David. Both, great. Okay, so this is going to be a three. quadruple blessing. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Да благослови тебя Господь и сохрани тебя. Да презрит на тебя Господь светным лицом своим и помилует тебя. Да обратит Господь лицо свое на тебя и даст тебе мир. Нехай Господь поблагословит тебя и нехай Він тебе стереже. Нехай Господь засяй на тебе лицем своим и нехай буде милостиво до тебе. Нехай Господь зверне на тебе лице своє и хай даст тобі мир. Амин. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Samina. Hey, you know what? This is really a good time if you're sitting next to your wife to give her a little kiss. It's a good time to share the joy and the love and the affection <laughs> with, with your bride. Uh, yeah, you know, we're still newlyweds. We've only been married. Hak Sameach, Hak Sukot Sameach. Hak Sameach, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.